Want to make a podcast? Spotify has got a platform that lets you make one super easily and distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else your podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. And when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I've discovered Spotify for podcasters, I just enjoy putting these podcasts out for everyone to really like. I highly recommend you give it a try. It's so easy to use. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started today. What is up? It's time for Cutback Colony. I'm Ant, of course. What is up, everyone, and welcome. And we're going to be talking about draft day clarity. Um, that's what it's going to be about. It's going to be about draft day clarity because when it comes down to it, this draft is going to give us so much information, everyone. Not only are we going to get clarity as to what the 49ers do in the draft, but also clarity what's going to happen after the draft. Uh, because if they do certain moves, it is going to dictate how this 49ers team looks moving forward. But I'd like to welcome everyone uh, to the Colony for the Cutback Colony's initial show. Thanks, everyone, for compiling and chat right now. It's looking really good. Welcome, everyone that's there, from Joel to Jan to Mark. Uh, it is a great, great group already in there. And I want to have everyone do something for me. And that is Annie Up. It's time to Annie Up. Leave a comment. Leave a chat. Like. Um, leave a super chat, do whatever you want to do, but ante up something as I ante up with a first topic, and that is Debo Samuel. And Debo Samuel has decided that, once again, the media is wrong about the narrative about him coming out once again and saying that the national media has uh, not got the entire truth. Uh, it came out today, Jeremy Fowler reports, that Debo Samuel and the 49ers' relationship has soured. The 49ers are trying to figure out how it is soured so far, and then Debo comes out and says, wait, you know, I'm the realest guy, like, you're not going to get me with this fake. So uh, I think that Debo Samuel is is getting it going, and uh, he, he's letting everyone know, like, hey, you guys don't set the narrative. The narrative is set by me and the 49ers, and so far no negativity coming from Debo Samuel to uh, the 49ers. So I like that. So I think that Debo Samuel's keeping it clear uh, of what to expect over the next, you know, 29, 30 hours as it would be now, as Thursday will be the day when there we'll get some clarity on the Debo Samuel situation. But draft day clarity is one of the things that is is 
really what we need to get into because with it only being 30 hours or so until the draft begins, Debo Samuel's clock is ticking with the 49ers because if the 49ers don't trade him on day one of the draft, he's not getting traded. It's that simple. Um, that that's just that's just what's gonna happen. And I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna make that the blatant truth uh for this for this episode is if Debo Samuel does not get moved day one of the draft, he's not getting moved. And I think you can also put blatant truth in there with Debo Samuel's probably not getting moved. I don't know if the Jets are gonna be willing to give up a King's ransom. I haven't heard any deals yet that I want the 49ers to take. I don't know if John Lynch has got anything that he wants to take. Uh, yeah, and you know what? Rome is saying hopefully the si this situation isn't past the point of reparation. I think the comments so far, uh, Rome, from John Lynch saying, you know, he can't envision in a situation where he's not on the football team, also coupled with Debo's comments that he said that basically, once again, pump the brakes on the media, knowing what is true and what's not. He's the realist, and he's not going to listen to the fake noise. So I think that, once again, it was last year at this time, all the conversation was the Mac Jones, uh, you know, Trey Lance, Justin Fields situation, all the stuff coming out that Kyle Shanahan wanted Mac Jones, the rest of the room really wanted Trey Lance or Justin Fields. And I think that this is another time when you just have to wait because the 49ers don't have leaks. So you don't know what the real situation is. You just see a bunch of narratives and we're getting a, a lot of, a lot of cool, um, Comments in there. Ronnie says, "Hey, Aunt, what's your take? I know last night you said you were too, you weren't high on Traylon Burks. Can you shed some thoughts on why?" And uh, yeah, of course I can. And when it comes to Traylon Burks, it's not that I don't like the player. Let, let me let me get that straight. I think what has happened with Traylon Burks is the belief that he is Debo Samuel. Um, so right away, what they've done is they've said that Traylon Burks can automatically do the things Debo Samuel does, and he says he wants to do the things Debo does, and that's great. Like. You can want to come into a situation and want to come into the NFL and be that kind of player, be the wide back kind of player. He's got the body build for it. Here's the issue. When I watch the film, I don't see the same level of caliber player that I saw from Debo Samuel coming out, uh, from D from A.J. Brown coming out. Now, I like Traylon Burks. I just don't like him where he's slotted. I wouldn't take him in the first round. So if you're telling me that we can get him in the second round, I'm okay with that, Okay. Um, so I think that that would be a, a good situation, but I think early second round would be the, the hot bet for Traylon Burks, like the player, don't love the player in the first round where he's currently getting slotted. So that is why I had those feelings on him, Ronnie. Um, yeah, Paul Sanders says, listen to McGlinchey and Fred Warren's description of how everyone knows to negotiations or negotiations and it doesn't affect loyalty. Exactly. Right. Fred Warner and McGlinchey bullshit some light. This is business. When it comes down to it, the way players handle their business is their decision, but that's not going to affect, you know, their standing on the football team. That's not going to, you know, affect how they deal with the front office because souring is when you get personal. Um, so far, neither side has decided to get personal. You haven't had, you know, a situation where the front office has said, we don't understand why Debo isn't coming close, and they never will. Um, in a shocking development, they never will do that. But also, Debo Samuel hasn't come out and said anything negative about the 49ers. All he has is publicized that he wants a trade. But that seems to be the agent's way of handling situations with his clients. Start negotiations. They're not going the way you want. You say, you know what? I want a trade. I want out to try to apply pressure. Because A.J. Brown is in a similar situation. Last year, you coming into the last year of his contract, once again, rookie pay scale, drafted really near Debo Samuel. So he's in the same situation. He's doing the same things. 
Um, this is how they're trying to apply leverage in that situation. But Debo Samuel moving or not moving on Thursday is going to provide so much clarity for the 49ers because it's going to take a King's ransom to get him off this team. It's going to take a combination of players and picks to be able to get Debo Samuel, you know, to the Jets, for instance. So I've heard Makai Becton, I've heard pick 10, I've picked heard pick 38, and I'm like, okay, uh, that that's a nice conversation to start right there. Um, yeah, there, there you go. Mark, Mark Graves says, then Debo needs to start dancing around and tell us the real situation. I think Debo, and it, I think Debo, the way that he's handling it right now, he would love to tell us the real situation. He can't, he can't tell the real situation because it would hurt his, you know, chances of getting a new deal. And when it comes down to it, right, it's business. It's about getting a new deal. All the things that he's doing right now is about getting a new deal. So, um, I love that situation. Um, here we go. Why does Devo have to tell us anything in the middle of a contract negotiation? He doesn't. I mean, that that's that's it right there, perfectly. He doesn't need to tell us anything. He's doing what's right for his brand, what's right for him as a person. Um, and you know what? If ultimately it came down to a situation, he wants to be in San Francisco, but if it came down to a situation where he needed to get the money elsewhere, he would be willing to do that because when it comes down to it, he's playing to provide for himself and his family a different life than they've ever had before. And so no one can kind of understand what it is until you go through it. I think Debo Samuel is, you know, doing what's what's best for him, what's best for his family, and the 49ers are trying to do what's best for the organization. But John Lynch said early in this process that when two sides are motivated to make something happen, they'll do it. And I think both sides are still motivated to make this happen. The 49ers know they need Debo Samuel, and Debo Samuel knows he no one can use him the way Kyle Shanahan does in offense. They can try, but Kyle Shanahan has proven to use Debo Samuel's skills um, better than I think even Debo anticipated coming out of college. Um, and can can you see it, us resigning Tart over the weekend during the draft? I think when it comes to Tart, it is now a post draft situation. So if the 49ers go into the draft, they do not address the safety situation. That could give us more clarity on the the situation with Jaquiski Tart. Jaquiski Tart potentially could you know come back to the 49ers, but it's going to come down to money. It's going to come down to how they feel because. Why not bring a Jaquiski Tart back in to compete with the guys you currently have if the money is right? But this is the second straight year that Jaquiski Tart has went out to test free agency and so far hasn't got signed. We still have the big domino of Tyron Matthew, who someone brought into comments today for the, for the 49ers cutback, is, hey, Tyron Matthew, the Honey Badger, is still out there. So, I mean, there are some big name safeties still available Jaquiski Tart is not going to probably get the money that he's looking for, but he's going to wait until after the draft. That is when the market will settle, and that is when some of these free agents that haven't signed yet will go ahead and sign as these teams did not either you know, be able to address or fill those holes in the draft. So Jaquiski Tart could come back. We will see what happens with him. I think right now, the way the safety room is currently constituted, they should bring back Jaquiski Tart, but it all comes down to the money. You have to make it work. So I think if they can make it work, uh, it, it'll definitely happen. And Jan Stewart says, you're not wrong, my guy. Thank you for that. Uh, nice tip of the hat to Alex, as it would be. Uh, so well done. Uh, Paul Sanders says, can Mekhi Becton still have a great career in the NFL? Uh, with a lot of players, you know, they can continue to have uh, a great career in the NFL if they get into the right system, right? So a lot of times, Mekhi Becton's a really big guy. Um, and he was drafted to play in a different system than what the Jets currently play. They're playing a Shanahan kind of uh, system. 
the outside zone, um, some of the gap scheme. Those are different things than he was originally drafted for. However, if he gets into the right scheme, he could be, uh, scheme, he could be successful. A perfect example, 2017, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch come in. We have Trenton Brown as the right tackle. They trade Trenton ba Brown to the New England Patriots where he becomes a big-time player for them. Different scheme, different skill set, and then it works. That's why when we're talking about Daniel Falele, we're saying, you know what, Daniel Falele is a great talent. Second-round talent looks pretty good. Here's the issue. He doesn't fit in what San Francisco does. So he doesn't really make sense for the 49ers. Now, Makai Becton's a more athletic big man than Daniel Falele, for instance, but that is what it is. It's about scheme fit. So when we talk about players in the draft, a lot of times you hear about you know, different guys, you're like, oh, that guy's really good, or that guy's, but do they fit the scheme? Because if they don't fit the scheme, they're not ultimately going to be able to reach their full potential. So you want guys that are scheme fits, but also have a lot of athletic ability. Yeah, and what is up, Grish, uh, saying uh, the one and only Ant. Thank you, I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I think that that is what's going on with the clarity. So the other thing that could potentially happen is you're getting Josina Anderson, and I believe it was, maybe it was Diana Rossini. Um, they're coming out and they're saying, hey, the, there's a lot of chatter picking up surrounding Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, so chatter surrounding Jimmy Garoppolo is starting to pick up. We know that the Panthers are the team that makes the most sense for Jimmy Garoppolo uh, to potentially land. Um, so you wonder if that is going to be something that happens. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo getting moved uh, to the, you know, to the Panthers. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Definitely. We'll see. Um, but I think that right now with Jimmy Garoppolo, the value has to be there, right? We're wondering what the value is going to be for Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, we've heard reports all the way that the Niners were looking for second round picks. Well, Carolina doesn't have second round picks in this draft. Carolina doesn't have anything until a fourth round pick. So if, if that's what you're looking for, uh, potentially that's what you could get. So a fourth round pick this year, potentially more draft capital next year. That is what you're looking for with Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo being moved also frees up money. So when you're talking about Jaquiski Tart, when you're talking about um, other players that maybe you potentially want to bring in or bring back, uh, that would free up the money. But right now, it doesn't appear John Lynch is still going to move off these guys unless he gets the caliber of players or caliber of draft picks that he wants. So not wanting to move off of Jimmy Garoppolo is a value thing. Also, I believe Jimmy's getting healthy. We know the wing's getting better, right? We've seen him at Hooters. Uh, he's doing his thing. Um, but I, I think that with Jimmy, he, there's a potential he could move. And it could be on day two. Um, that is where Jimmy Garoppolo could move. He could move from night one to, to night two as maybe Carolina didn't strike on a quarterback at number six. So Mark Graves says, who is the hot blonde on your Facebook page for the draft party? And is she going to be there? Um, yeah, she is going to be there. Um, that is that is Nicole, and she, she will be at the draft party. Uh, she's a supporter of the 49ers cutback. So um, if, if you're wanting to meet Nicole, she's going to be there. Um, just stay classy. And uh, she's a really, really cool person. And she's she's very nice to help us out with our promo stuff. So, yeah, that's Nicole, and she's going to be there. Um, Paul says, I wouldn't mind a second round next year when the draft is supposed to be stronger from Carolina, who should be fairly high. Yeah, the second round pick could be could be high. We know that they're going to be stressing for a quarterback. There's no way they can go into a Sam Darnold, E.J. Walker uh, season of quarterback play. I don't know if, if Matt Rule has that, you know, that ability to have that happen. 
Um, I think he would be in a world of hurt if he allowed that to happen. If he allowed to go in that season with Sam Darnold, that was definitely a fail. Um, so you don't want that at all. And I think that they ha are going to feel pressured to make a move if they don't get the guy that they want. So they need to get the guy. Jimmy Garoppolo needs to be the guy in Carolina. I don't know if we're going to get Brian Burns. I don't know if we're going to get, you know, any big time players back. I've heard all the, the talk about potentially getting, you know, somebody else back. Um, I think it will be draft picks for Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, and I don't think it's going to be just a happy meal either. I mean, we've heard the reports, right? Just trade Jimmy for whatever, cut him. It doesn't matter. I think the 49ers believe it does matter. So um, there you go. Um, let's see. Uh, Rich says, Hey, wide receiver Romeo Dobbs, a 49er. Romeo Dobbs is an is a nice, nice player. Uh, and he could he could definitely be one of those guys. If they move off Jimmy, if they move off Debo Samuel, or if they don't, um, and that's the thing, day one of the draft is going to give us a lot of clarity. If Debo Samuel doesn't get moved, we know the 49ers are looking for a particular kind of wide receiver. That particular kind of wide receiver is a stretch the field, make something happen kind of guy. Uh, as far as height goes, there's only a few guys in this draft that have height to um weight ratio right a big guy with that has the, the 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 arms the reach all of that so you've got the guys that you got is you got christian watson who the 40ers would have to trade up to get and we know he's one of the guys that everyone loves that's number one number two you have alec pierce you could potentially get in the second round or in the in the third round if you moved up those are those are things that can happen and then later on in the draft you have other guys like isaiah weston who are potentially guys you could take a, a chance on. Derek Young as well. But those guys are definitely more developmental pieces. Um, Frank Salvador says, fear nothing. Our draft day goal of Ariaza approaches. Aloha, Ant. What is up, Frank? Frank completely manipulated the Matt Ariaza to the 49ers in uh, the mock draft, the fan-controlled mock draft last night. Started talking about Ariaza early. And then when the TCC wanted to move up to 149, Boom, he struck Matt Ariaza to the 49ers uh, just to spite Jason Aponte. So what is up, Frank? Uh, they have no seconds, but they have Brian Burns, KDR, KDR Collectibles. You're right, they do have Brian Burns. And that is getting pushed so much. Uh, that is getting pushed at a high level by Brad Graham from uh, the SF Niners. He's doing his best to try to get Brian Burns. And Brian Burns is a very good player. I've watched him all the way through college. I've watched him in the NFL. He's a very talented guy, an edge rusher with a nice first step, the length to be able to create separation between him and the offensive tackle. And then he's got some pretty good pass moves to go with it. The fact that the Carolina Panthers exercised his fifth-year option is not surprising. What it does mean, though, is now he has more trade value. So if they were looking to trade him, having a player under contract for two more seasons, one of those being a rookie pay scale, uh, is is pretty nice. So I think that he would be somebody that a lot of teams in the NFL would be interested in. Um, let's see. Jan says, you stay classy, TCC. Thanks, Jan. Everyone will. Uh, Ronnie Montoya says, can you see news drop on Alex Mack returning or retiring tomorrow night, just like they did with Staley? Exactly. That's another part of the clarity that we're going to get from this draft is how the 49ers address the center position potentially could you know, illustrate how they're moving forward with Alex Mack. Now, early on, reports seemed to be that Alex Mack was looking to come back. You had John Lynch saying, you know, hey, Alex is not giving us any indications that he's not coming back. We're hopeful he's going to be back. But lately, it seemed like maybe it's more up in the air. The question is, will the 49ers address it in the draft? 
Will they go after a, a center early? Or, you know, will they wait until late and get a developmental guy? I think if they get a guy late in the draft, potentially they're, they're getting an eventual replacement. The other thing that could happen, if you start hearing news that Alex Mack is going to retire, is watch J.C. Treader. Uh, he's a free agent center and an all-pro caliber player. Potentially they could go that route. We know Kyle Shanahan likes to have veteran centers. Now, the centers are not tasked with calling blocking schemes. In the for Kyle Shanahan's system, the quarterback calls him. So Trey, Jimmy, those are the guys that call it. Kyle Uzcheck, a system in that. So a rookie center could play for the 49ers. It's just not something that Kyle has done in his tenure in San Francisco. When he started, he had Daniel Kilgore. He went and got the big free agent signing in Weston Richburg and watched Kilgore go. And then when Richburg wasn't able to go anymore, he brought in Alex Mack. So there's a trend of veteran centers for Kyle Shanahan. We know how he values offensive line, left tackle, right tackle, center, two guards. Uh, so that's how he's going to do it. That's how he's going to handle it. So, but it is going to give us a very good idea of how they're approaching, you know, the center position and Alex Mack um, once we get into this draft. And yes, you could hear about it just the way they did Joe Staley. The only thing is it could be later because the 49ers don't pick until 61. You not, might not hear about it until day two if they decide to address the center position early on, uh, because right now they don't have anything in the first round where Tyler Lindenbaum would be. If this was, if they did have a first round pick and they were going to address it with Tyler Lindenbaum, I think you would hear about a retirement from Alex Mack. Yeah, Joel Andres, uh, JC Treader, that was that was solid. Uh, good comment there. You're thinking the same way that I am. Um, so so that is a really solid point. And you know that's the thing when we're talking about clarity. And you you talked about Alex Mack. That is something that is a little nerve-wracking, right, on the offensive line. We know we got Big Trent, and he's going to handle business. I like what I'm hearing from Mike McGlinchey right now. Mike McGlinchey is saying, you know, he's ahead of schedule. He's on the right track. He's able to do the things he needs to do. I like that. I think that Mike McGlinchey for this year makes a lot of sense, especially at $10.8 million. That is a cheap tackle option, um, but he's really good in the run game. And so having him there, I think you're going to have the stability of Daniel Brunskill playing next to him. Your right side of the line is going to be the same. Your left side of the line, you're going to have somebody slotting in new. Somebody's going to be playing left guard. And I think that's a big conversation because your thought process would be Aaron Banks playing left guard. But people have been bringing up, maybe it is not. Maybe it's not going to be him. Maybe it's going to be Colton McKivitz. Um, maybe it's going to be Jalen Moore. I, I think it's an interesting conversation to have. The question will be, though, if Alex Mack retires, will they just be willing to go Daniel Brunskill? They move Daniel Brunskill to center. And then are they rolling with two young guys at the guard spots? It's, it's definitely the offensive line is something to watch. If they address it early, I think it will answer a lot of questions. But will the 49ers draft an interior offensive lineman for the second straight year after not drafting a single interior offensive lineman during the tenure of Kyle Shannon and John Lynch. It's something to watch uh, for sure. Frank says, distinct feeling of roster rebuild. Go for it. If you believe in Lance, trade Debo for multiple picks. 10 is just the beginning. Move Jimmy or wave him. Invest in the players for the future. I think here's the, the, the thing that everyone's trying to figure out. I get what Frank is saying. You know, let's, We're just going to go for full rebuild. The key is being able to reload, not rebuild. So, Moving off players, moving players for other other picks, other 
uh, draft capital, doing whatever you have to do is fine. The key is to be able to be competitive while re like while reloading. A rebuild means you're stripping it down, you're completely handling it in a different way. When you have veteran players that make the amount of money that the 49ers have right now, you can't rebuild. You're not going to go into that room and a full rebuild would mean get rid of Trent Williams. It would mean get rid of Fred Warner, get rid of George Kittle, because you wouldn't want those contracts on your on your books. That would be a free a full rebuild. They have four years to win a championship with Trey Lance as a starting quarterback. If he starts this year, potentially that's what they got. They can't afford to do a full rebuild. They need to reload and take advantage of that rookie pay scale and go win. So I think that that's what they're trying to do. I don't think they want to lose Debo Samuel. I do believe they budgeted for Debo Samuel. I do believe they budgeted for Nick Bosa, and they're going to try to make those things work. We'll see if they can get them done. But I think right away, I get what Frank is saying. But I think it would take a lot, a lot to get Debo Samuel off the San Francisco 49ers team. I believe Kyle Shannon would have to believe that what they were getting back would be able to be uh, equivalent to the production you would get from Debo Samuel. And I don't know if you're going to be able to get that. That's why when I'm talking about trades, I often want proven commodities, right? I want Terry McLaurin. I want Antonio Gibson to start. Those are guys that I would be interested in getting because they can help mask the production you're going to lose from Debo Samuel. Or I want Chase Claypool and I want Najee Harris. I want first round talent for Debo Samuel because Debo Samuel is an all pro that can do things that no one else can do. Okay. Paul Sanders says, wonder if the partial tear of the leg muscle could have slowed him in pass protection. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, when it comes down to it, Mike McGlinchey talked about the fact he's been dealing with those issues and knee issues um, for a few years now, and he's just been powering through it. So he's actually going to have a new ligament there. Um, they've re they have attached it. It's going to be different. He's got to get used to you know the flexibility, the bend, all that thing, all that stuff again. But potentially, it could be a, a huge benefit for him to be able to get after you know the blocking, be able to anchor down and take on the bull rush. Also, he's three hundred and ten pounds again. If he gets back up to three twenty. He's going to be back to his playing weight he was last year and the healthiest weight that he could play. He tried to go light for 2020 and it didn't work out. He couldn't anchor. He just couldn't stop a bull rush. They were just blowing him back into the quarterback. It was a, it was a good thought process, right? He's going to get quicker. <clears throat> the problem is he didn't get quicker. Uh, or I mean, he got quicker, but he didn't get stronger. Uh, so now he's got he's to deal with that. So I think it is a process for McGlinchey, but that's, that's a very, very solid point. Um, Will my guys be doing a draft uh, of a live draft tomorrow for the first round? No. So we're not doing a live draft for the first round tomorrow. What we are going to do is we're going to uh, be available in case something happens and we're going to get on that. But we are preparing for uh, day two for the draft party. Um, you can see that right now the the ad is rolling just over there to my uh, your right, my left. Um, and you're going to want to, you know, take a look at that. But the draft party's coming up, so we're going to be getting prepared for that. However, if something happens, Jimmy Garoppolo gets moved, Debo Samuel gets moved for whatever reason, if the 49ers are picking in the first round, we will hop on and do a live stream. Uh, but really, that's what's going on. Um, let's see. Frank says, unfortunately, it's just the spirit in the locker room is a little frayed. Jimmy was more integral in their identity than the fans were aware. I think Jimmy is a very integral part. But we've seen integral parts leave, right? Richard Sherman was integral in the defensive locker room. And with the guys there, Richard Sherman left. And they were okay. They rebounded, right? Jason Verrett stepped up. 
Um, there, every time someone leaves, Buckner was an instrumental piece in that locker room. Joe Staley, an instrumental piece in that locker room. And you see guys rise to the occasion. Trent Williams came in and rose to the occasion on the offensive line. You had um, Eric Arms to take on more of a leadership role on the defensive line. This is what happens. These teams, these leaders are helping breed future leaders. They're helping you know get these guys to where they want to be. So I think you're right, Frank, that when you lose an integral part, it can change the locker room dynamics. But it doesn't always mean it's bad. Now, Jimmy Garoppolo is one of those guys that everyone respects, universally respected. Past play, you know, players that used to be on the team, like no one has a bad thing to say about Jimmy Garoppolo as a person, as a teammate. Uh, they really like him. So I do think that there will be a difference in the locker room. But also there's going to be a difference in the locker room of not having Raheem Mostert, who is the team captain. Every time one of these players leaves the locker room, it changes locker room dynamics. You're, what you are is hopeful, though, that the next group of guys are ready to step up. Already they've learned from that group and they're ready to step up and help stabilize that locker room. It may never be the same, but it could still be very stable and very good and potentially even better. Uh, if somebody like Trey Lance, for instance, steps up in year two and starts taking the reins, maybe he can also be a nice positive influence and they can gel around him. Um, Frank says, Trey is a wonderful prospect, but until he brings the team back and a come-from-behind victories with playoff appearances, Trey can earn it, but he hasn't yet. Right. I, I mean, I'm not telling you Trey shouldn't earn it, for sure. Uh, Trey's going to have to earn it. Kyle Shanahan gives nothing. He makes these guys go out there and compete, and Trey Lance is no different. Trey Lance is going to have to go out there and earn it. They have not told Trey Lance, you're the starting quarterback. What do they tell Trey Lance? Or what have we heard from the national media? They've given indications that Trey Lance will be the starting quarterback because they're not going to name Trey Lance the starting quarterback. He has to go earn it. He has to go through OTAs. He has to go through mini camps. He has to go win it in training camp. That's what he has to do. That's how a young player is going to step up and become the player that everyone wants him to be. So, He's going to be the guy that pushes it. Now, the cool thing is, last year watching him in training camp, you could tell he was young, but so gifted. Fantastic guy. Um, so I think that Trey is going to be one of those guys that's going to continue to develop. I think he's got a lot of potential. I'm looking forward to seeing him in training camp again. Uh, when they announce training camp days, I plan on being there more than I'm not. If I could be there every single day, I would. Uh, that's just how it is, because I want to see Trey Lance. I want to see how he plays, because... The only hiccup in his game last year was when he got into move the ball situations where it wasn't a script, where Kyle Shanahan was calling the plays based off of down and distance situations. And then you would see a little bit of hiccups in his game. That's where you would see him needing to understand where receivers were going to be, being able to get the ball out on time to them. Now, there were moments he flashed and was like, "Ooh, okay, Trey, you're the man. I love it. And he would hit the deep pass like nobody else. But then there were moments you're like, whoa. What are you doing, kid? You know, where, where are you at with this? Rook? What are you looking at? And I think those are the normal things. Now, we didn't get that from some of the media that were there. They were just talking about how great Trey was. And he was great. He looked great. And if you just went off the flashes, you're like, whew, this guy's spectacular. But the problem is it was the, the play in, play out things that you could see that Jimmy Garoppolo was doing a little bit better than Trey Lance because he had a better understanding of the offense. What you're hoping is that in year two, Trey Lance now has the understandings of where everyone's going to be. And he can just get the ball where he needs to get it. Uh, if he can do that, he has all the physical traits to be a big-time quarterback in this league. Um, 49ers versus Texan rings a bell. There you go. That was a good start. Um, you know, the first half for, for Trey Lance was a little bit of a struggle. But that second half, 
impressed a lot. Um, in fact, Texan players saying how impressive Trey Lance was as a talent, including a wide receiver that's local to us, Brandon Cooks telling his brother that Trey Lance is somebody he would like to play with because of that ability. Um, so that's that's big time stuff. I mean, when when other players from other teams are noticing the potential in a player that's around them, I, I think that's that's something big. Um, Ronnie Patoya says, could you see Jimmy G move night one of the draft or day two after teams didn't get the guy they wanted? I think it's more likely for day two. The reason being is the draft capital that Jimmy Garoppolo would equate to, um, especially if it's Carolina, is going to be day two or day three players because I don't think they pick until 137. You're not going to be able to get a player until then. Um, so you're going to wait it out, wait it out, and you're hoping that maybe somebody else wants to move up. So I think it would be more likely that Jimmy Garoppolo got moved on day two than on day one. Now, if he gets moved on day one, that's great because then you know what you've got going into day two. But Carolina has no second-round picks. They have no third-round picks. They used all that last year on Stephon Gilmore, on Sam Darnold. So you're not going to get that return in the 2022 draft for Jimmy Garoppolo. What you will do is get probably a fourth round pick and you will get the freedom of the $25 million, $25.2 million that will be free off your salary cap. You'll be able to sign your rookies, um, which right now I believe it's going to cost them around $9 million. They'll be able to do that. And then they'll be able to bring in, you know, whoever they want in free agency, whether that's re-sign Jason Brett, re-sign Jaquiski Tart, or potentially, you know, take a home run shot they could they could do that also um let's see frank says and is wanting trey to do well the o-line is a priority it is you have to keep trey lance upright now one of the things that's going to be interesting to watch is how this run game changes a little bit with trey lance in the backfield because right now which with jimmy garoppolo there's not the real fear of jimmy garoppolo running the ball i'm not saying the 49ers need to run the ball consistently with trey lance there just needs to be the fear to do so if you have a fear, then you have you can hold defensive players. Defensive players have to do their job. So when you have a edge rusher coming off the edge and you're running a, sh a read option, you get that running back going across Trey Lance's face. He's going to be able to read that guy. If that col guy collapses down the line of scrimmage to get the running back, Trey can pull. Now, they'll probably have a linebacker on Trey Lance, but that's okay. That's a one-on-one -on -one situation. And if they're not committing that linebacker to the run game and he gives and that defensive end edge rusher is not able to make the play on the running back, then that running back's going to have a nice lane to be able to run in. And he's probably going to hold that defensive end more than likely. So it's going to create more running lanes. And we know that with this offensive line, the way that they're built, which is a run first offensive line, take Tr Trent Williams out of it. Trent Williams is special. He can do it all. But everyone else is run first. Run first offensive line means they need to get the run game going. If they get the run game going, the play action, the RPO, everything opens up for Trey Lance to be able to have a very, very successful season. That also means this offensive line is going to have a very, very successful season. Uh, Paul Sanders says, we are going to need uh, Trey Lance, the Rams in the, for Trey Lance in the, for the Rams in the championship game, gave away the defeat to the 49ers win game. We need to push the ball down the field and the outside to open the middle back up. That is a thing that Trey Lance is going to bring to this football team, right? That's some clarity that Trey Lance is definitely going to provide is the deep pass. Because if you get the deep pass from Trey Lance, those safeties are not going to be able to come into the box to take away this run game. When you watch the Rams, which Paul is talking about in the NFC Championship game, they completely loaded that box. Eight guys up there and said, okay, Jimmy, beat me. And what did Debo say? 
we couldn't beat him. The pass game couldn't get it done. And it, it could be a lot to do with Jimmy's shoulder. It could do with his thumb. It could do just with the way that they played the game against the 49ers. But that run game did not get going. Trey Lance's ability to get the ball down the field, the threat of, right? The threat of the run, the threat of the pass is what's going to allow this offense to open up. That's why Kyle Shanahan wanted to get Trey Lance. Trey Lance has to develop, though. I mean, he has to understand where to get rid of the football because if he can't prove that he can consistently make the reads and get the throws out on time on schedule, then the defenses are not going to they're not going to respect the pass. And then guess what they're going to do? Come back into the box. So I think that is something definitely um, that's a good point, Paul, that Trey Lance is going to add. That deep pass is going to open up the middle of the field. Play action is going to be there. I think Trey Lance is going to operate Kyle Shanahan's offense in a different way. I think he will have to get better at over the, over the, the middle of the field. Um, but that added aspect of going down the field is something they need. That is why getting a big-time receiver that can stretch the field is something they need to do. I know Ayuk is going to have more opportunities to go down the field. But having a big guy, a tall receiver that can do that is something that they definitely should address. Um, we'll see if they do. I, I think I think Kyle's been looking for this guy for a long time. Uh, Ronnie Montoya says, since we are talking run game, would you get a speedy back or smash mouth power? When we, we have power backs right now, right? Elijah Mitchell runs with power. Jeff Wilson Jr. runs with power. Trey Sermon is potentially a power back. We don't know what we got with Trey Sermon yet. He's got to develop into a one-cut-and-run guy, but he's definitely built and stout for that. The Michael Hasty is a scat back, right? He's the third down back. He's the guy that's going to catch the ball in the backfield. He's going to come up and, and help in pass-blocking situations. But we need a speed guy. Raheem Mostert is going to be missed. You see the difference between Raheem Mostert on the field and Raheem Mostert not. Now, you're not going to find a running back that can run the way Raheem Mostert runs the football. That dude is legit one of the fastest dudes on the planet playing football. He's just got a different gear. You're not going to find that. But there are guys in this draft that do provide some of that speed element that you could be looking for, right? Whether that's Pierre Strong, whether that's Isaiah Pacheco, whether that's Ty from, uh, what's his name? Uh, I went blank. Is it Ty Chandler from uh, North, North Carolina, right? These are guys that have that 4-3 speed. They have elite speed. Elijah Mitchell is a 4-4 guy. And Elijah Mitchell is trying to put on size. He said in his presser the other day, he's trying to get his weight to 215 pounds. That's closer to his college weight. That's the speed you see on film. When he ran his 40 time at his pro day, he was down to 205. So he was a lot quicker. So you're going to get a 4-4, but 215 pound back that's going to be able to take on every single down. So I think you're looking for a speed guy to add to this running back room. Uh, and I, I wouldn't even be surprised if they don't get a couple. I, I wouldn't. I mean, go ahead and take a shot. I do like Pierre Strong. I think he's very talented. A 4-3 guy that is 220 pounds. Um, what's not to like about that? Let's see. Frank says, this year will be very exciting if Lance plays the majority of games. His talent is so obvious that a blind man could see it. Yeah, I mean, he, he's very talented. I mean, there's, there's no way around it. This is an impressive dude. Uh, seeing him in person is, is something special. Whether you've seen him in practice or games, uh, or both. It, it, he's an impressive dude. And I think that I really also like his mentality, the way he approaches the game. He's about getting better. He's about his teammates. Um, no one was a bigger cheerleader for this team and Jimmy Garoppolo than Trey Lance. And I think that shows a lot about his character. And and I think that's why he'll be very well received by this team. They, they're going to lose, you know, potentially that leadership in Jimmy Garoppolo. But I think they can help guide this kid to where eventually Trey Lance becomes the leader 
um, of the team and could potentially lead the team to new heights. I mean, that's what you're hoping. You need to win a Super Bowl on his rookie pay scale. Paul Sanders says, take a look at the way Kyle played call, play calls when he had Matt Ryan with the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, Paul sent a, a link to us or talked to us about going and checking out a video of Kyle Shanahan with Matt Ryan as quarterback. And I'll, I'll tell you this. There were things that were available in Kyle Shanahan's offense with Matt Ryan and the Atlanta Falcons that aren't available with Jimmy Garoppolo at the helm. With that being said, there are also things that Jimmy Garoppolo did that Matt Ryan doesn't do as well with the passes over the middle, the quick release, the way that he operated the play action game. But what Matt Ryan was able to do in Atlanta was use the receivers that he had, Julio Jones, Muhammad Sanu, to be able to run these deep out or deep comeback patterns. Um, those things really open the field. Matt Ryan's ability to take the shots down the field is, I believe, what you're going to get more from Trey Lance, right? Those abilities where now you can make a corner think you're going all the way downfield, you're running that go route, and then you put your foot in the ground, you come back to the football, and Trey has the necessary arm talent to get the ball out. Um, so I think that that is, that is something that is going to be added to this offense. Trey Lance is going to add things to this offense. The question is, can he have the on-schedule success of the plays over the middle that Kyle Shanahan is still going to require. If he can, he is the best of both worlds. He could be the best quarterback that Kyle Shanahan has ever had. And I think that's what Kyle sees, the talent to be able to do all the things you want him to do, the off-schedule throws, to be able to move the pocket, to be able to create when things break down. Fantastic. Can he do it play in and play out with precision? If he can, he's going to be one of the big-time quarterbacks in this league. And we're all going to be talking about how this was a great move to move up and get Trey Lance and how it changed the organization forever. So I think th that's part of it. Um, Ty Chandler for speed. There you go. Freddie Mac Dre, welcome to the chat. Um, Franks uh, says, the outside zone, after Moser went down, only Debo could replace the, that threat. You are right. And that's why if Debo is a wide back for the San Francisco 49ers, he's worth $25 million. If he's a wide back, he's worth $25 million. If he's just a receiver, he's not worth that. He's worth under 20 or at 20. Um, I think that he's a good receiver, but he hasn't proven to be an absolute great receiver consistently. He had he had the good year. Now, don't get me wrong. He had a really good year as a wide receiver. Potentially, if he didn't become a wide back, he could have had even better numbers, right? Closer up there, closer to where Cooper Cup was. But I think that it's still then, $20 million is a lot for a wide receiver. But a wide back who can do the things explosively that Debo Samuel does, $25 million, I would do it. Because absolutely explodes it from the backfield when getting the football. Explodes. It's different than even Elijah Mitchell. And Elijah Mitchell is a running back by trade. But Debo Samuel gets after it, man. That guy is explosive. He is so fun to watch. He, he's, he's just exciting. Debo Samuel is one of the most exciting players in the NFL. I don't want the 49ers to even think about losing this guy because of the potential he adds to this offense. Uh, the, the things now that Kyle Shannon has showed, uh, you talk about a decoy. Uh, he, can, he can be a decoy all day. Debo Samuel could create so many more opportunities for Brandon Ayuk and the players around him that that's why he's, he's so pivotal to this offense. That's why when I hear King's Ransom, I fully believe it's going to take a king's ransom because Debo Samuel has unlocked potential in Kyle Shannon's offense, and he knows if he can couple Trey Lance's immense athletic ability and skills with Debo Samuel's ability, he has an opportunity for something special. He had it once. He had Matt Ryan, who was stationary, not quite what Trey Lance was, 
and Julio Jones. Could he have that weapon now, that tandem? Whew, maybe. Um, I, I I think that's potentially something. Uh, Freddie Mac Dre says, Rashad White, ASU is another running back I really like. Rashad White is a very nice talent out of Arizona State. Very elusive. Uh, he, he gets after it. I mean, this, this he's an impressive player. I think Rashad White in the fourth round would be a nice take for the 49ers if they decide to go that way. The thing you're going to lose with Rashad White compared to a Pierre Strong is the speed element. But Rashad White is a more complete back. Uh, right now, I think Pierre Strong is going to continue to develop. I like Pierre Strong's ability in the open field and his vision. I think he's going to grow, and I think he would grow in a dynamic way playing you know, in the 49er system. So uh, Anthony Lynn is going to be bringing his brand of football. It's going to be very similar to what we had with Bobby Turner, uh, the running back coach for the 49ers. And I think Anthony Lynn's just going to continue that progression. And I think that Pierre Strong seems like a, a nice fit for the 49ers, but I wonder how many other teams believe he's a nice fit for their team too, with somebody coming into our comment section named Pierre Strong. I don't think it was the actual Pierre Strong telling us, what are you thinking? Pierre Strong's not going in the third round. He's for sure going in the second round. Um, so we got that. Uh, Mr. Corey says fourth and 10 for Debo or no deal. Um, I I think that fourth and 10, the, the Jets two first round picks for Debo Samuel would have to be the starting point because my belief is why wouldn't you, since you have all the leverage as the San Francisco 49ers, sit back and say, you know what, Debo, you're playing on your rookie pay scale. You can't afford to sit out. And then franchise tag him after the end of the year with exclusive rights where it takes two first round picks to get him. So, I mean, if you know that's already the value, that's the starting point. Don't sell short now. Don't, don't, don't short yourself. Get the most you can get for Debo Samuel. And the most you can get isn't always right now. You can wait this thing out. You can play him on his rookie pay scale, $4 million. That's a cheap for an all pro caliber wide receiver slash uh, wide back as he calls himself. And then you can trade him after you franchise him. Lots of players have been traded after they've been tagged with the franchise tag. But what it does is allow you to have a starting point. This is going to take two first-round picks to get Debo Samuel onto your football team. Are you willing to do that? And I, I think that's how I would that's how I would handle it. So um, Twisted Clown says, Ant for GM. Well, thank you. And in fact, tonight on War Room, me and Alex are going to be the GMs. We're going to be making the picks for the 49ers. We're going to try to do what we believe they're going to do, but you're going to get to vote on GM. Is it going to be me or is it going to be Alex? Um, we're going to have a lot of fun with it when I'm the GM. Uh, he's going to be Adam Peters. When he's the GM, I'm going to be Adam Peters. And we're going to try to strategically work together to make sure we can put together the best draft for the 49ers. So if you're interested in that, hop over to War Room tonight. You can see the ads rolling the entire time. War Room is going to be great. And then afterwards, we're going to have Aftermath, of course. But it's going to be a fun time. There's going to be some movement. Now, it will not be as crazy as last night's fan control mock draft. Can't do it to you. Just, just telling you, can't do it to you. Um, let's see, Mr. Corey, I would literally take Debo over the number one overall pick in this draft. Me too. Me too. And that's the thing about a proven commodity. A proven commodity. You know what they can do in the NFL. Right now with draft picks, this is the part that, that always I struggle with. It's, it's a projection. Because for every Nick Bosa, there's a Solomon Thomas. For every Fred Warner, there's you know, uh, another player that didn't work out. I, I went blank on uh, the player from Alabama. Somebody can, can throw it in chat. Um, it's one of those things where there's just not a guy, Reuben Foster, there I remembered. There we go. Um, there's, always, there's just no guarantees. But when you have a proven commodity, there's a guarantee to what production you could potentially get. And, and, and thank you there, Freddie Mac, for saying Foster. I appreciate that as well. Um, 
yeah, that's the thing is the proven commodities is why I've been saying we need to get players to go with Debo if you're going to move Debo Samuel. And they have to equate to very, very good players. They have to equate to players that can make an impact on your roster. And I don't know if anyone's going to be willing to do that. Uh, so, so there you go. Um, let's see. Uh, Grish says, need physical wide receiver. Christian Watson ain't one. Okay. If, if, we're, if Debo Samuel is on the football team, you don't need a physical wide receiver. You have Debo Samuel, who's physical. You have Jawan Jennings, who's physical. So you won't need that. If Debo Samuel is gone, now we have a conversation. But adding Christian Watson to the receiving receiving room as currently constituted means you get a six foot four guy that run that's two hundred eleven pounds that runs a sub four three guy four three speed. That's where you're getting closer to Raheem Mostert speed. That is top in speed. That changes the game. You think Trey Lance's arm throwing it down the field changes the game? Now give him a wide receiver with a huge wingspan that can also do the same thing. It's going to change this offense exponentially. It's going to be so much different. Debo Samuel, Brandon Nuke, and George Kittle, Jawan Jennings would not know what to do with the added space that's going to be afforded to them to create in the middle of the field. Trey Lance would have open windows all day because that speed element is something that Kyle Shannon hasn't had. He tried. He tried Marquise Goodwin. He tried Travis Benjamin. Those are speed guys take the top off. No, both those guys weren't was tall. If he could add that element, I think it would be a huge improvement to this wide receiver room. But getting Christian Watson is easier said than done. You're going to have to give up some draft capital to go get him. So the question is, are you willing to go into this draft and get four or five players and walk away with those guys knowing those guys change your team in a positive way more than you want nine guys, right? Having over 75 guys under contract for the 49ers, they're sitting pretty. They don't need to draft nine guys in this draft. So I think that is uh, something to keep in mind. Uh, yeah, Jan says, beat me to it on Foster. You guys, everyone, thanks for helping out. I appreciate that. Uh, Eric Gaines, I just spoke to Jeff Darlington, and he confirmed that Alex has requested a trade to the Cowboys channel. Wow, breaking news here from Eric Dane. Alex has requested a trade um, due to the fact he's on a rookie pay scale. I'm going to go ahead and say no, um, and I can't see a world in which I'm willing to trade Alex right now. I, I can't get the value back. Um, for Alex. So, uh, Eric Dane, I'm sorry, but right now I'm not willing to trade from the Cowboys. It's going to take a King's ransom for me to move off of Alex uh, as of right now. Um, Mr. Court says, especially in this draft, uh, H2 and Trevon Walker are not number one overall picks. You know what? It, this happens a lot in the draft, right? We've been hearing about this draft. I think the sweet spot of this draft is actually, you know, kind of in that early second round and then also in the fourth round. There's two sweet spots where you're going to get a lot of value for the talent that's there. I actually worry about 61. Where you're sitting at 61, the way that the mock drafts have been playing out, I've been going over all of them recently and trying to figure out where these players are going, it kind of gets a little dire. Like, there's not a lot of really good players there. You start thinking, we need to trade up or we need to trade back. And then John Lynch says in his presser, we might need to trade back. Like, we might trade back, but we don't need a lot of picks. So he's trying to figure out know what their strategy is as well i'm sure they have it somewhat locked down they know what they're going to do they have a list of players and if someone falls they're going to be willing to go up and get them they're going to go strike uh and they they have guys they want to add to this roster so yeah there you go um joel ender says 41 watching hit that like button yeah please do i really appreciate that uh freddie mac says what do you think about jermaine johnson and Traylon burks jermaine johnson is an impressive player now I've, i've watched him play a ton of games he is an explosive guy so I love him. He's a, a definite first-round pick. He's a top-20 talent in this draft. Anyone that can get him 
uh, would definitely want to get him. So there you go. I, I really like him. And then I was trying to look at the, oh, and Traylon Burks. I, I did address Traylon Burks a little bit earlier, but I'll, I'll go through it a little bit. I like Traylon Burks. I like his physicality. I like his size. I don't like him in the first round. I like him in the second round. I think, you know, Debo Samuel, AJ Brown were better uh, prospects than he was, and they were second round picks. Um, I believe that that's, that's where he should be. I don't know. You know, he's, he's moved up into the first round, but I don't see him as a first round talent. But, you know, I, I do like the player. I think he's a good player. Um, uh, Jan Sears, but Ant is willing to head out offers. Uh, I haven't heard any offers at this point, but, you know, I anytime someone calls, I'm willing to pick up the phone. Sorry, just a company line. Uh, there you go. Um, let's see. Mr. Corey says, trade up for, for Trevor Penning. Well, if you were part of the, if you would have been here, uh, Mr. Corey, for the fan-controlled mock draft, you would have had an opportunity to draft Trevor Penning because the we made our first selection. I say we, it was actually the TCC at pick 15, and they took Lindenbaum or Linderbaum from uh, Iowa, the center. So you could have got Penning there. Um, Dolan just, I hope we trade up like you said, and we don't need to draft nine players. Yeah, I think so. I don't think we need to draft nine players. I think what we need to do is we need to get out there and, and get five to six high caliber players. Um, so wherever that is in the draft, wherever your board looks like, we released our 49 player big board earlier. And it wasn't the 49 best players in the draft, but 49 players that would be around where the 49ers picked that they could go get. Now, the first part of the draft is guys that if they slipped, they could go up and get. But I think that's what it's about. It's about going out there and getting the quality guys. Um, so find quality players, go locate them and get them. I think if you walked away with five, six or very quality players in this draft, you would feel good about your situation. What we don't want is what happened last year where John Lynch is after day two is looking stressed, looking worked up and talking about the fact they missed out on Paulson Adebo, the cornerback from Stanford who went to New Orleans because they got jumped uh, and he didn't uh, feel like he needed to be more aggressive than he was. And so he didn't get the guys he wanted. You want you you want to be aggressive. You want to strike. Get the guys you want because you do have a team that was a field goal away or potentially four points away from getting to a Super Bowl. So I think that that's one thing they got to continue to 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 look at and address. Um, let's see. Grish says Garrett Wilson and Drake London overrated thoughts. Wilson, I agree with you on. Believe it or not, me and Alex disagree on Garrett Wilson. I think Garrett Wilson is a fine prospect. I don't see him as a, a top 15 guy, a top 20 guy like he's going right now. Now, I could be wrong. I mean, the guy's a dynamic player, but I just think that there's something to be desired a little bit on the tape, um, but he's, he's a good player. And as far as London, London right now comes down to health. London's a big body who can do a lot of different things in the receiving game. He's, but we don't know how fast he's going to be. He did not run at the combine because of the injury. He did not run at his pro day. He's going out there and taking a shot in the dark and be like, hey, if I didn't run, you know, maybe, maybe I'm just that guy. I'm just 4-4. You're just going to have to believe me. And so I think there's some questions about London. The 49ers being at London's pro day, I think, illustrate the, the thought process that maybe London slides because he hasn't run. And maybe one of these teams isn't willing to take a chance. London could be a guy that you watch slide in this draft. If he gets into the second round, there's a reason the 49ers went and watched his pro day. They might believe that's a possibility and he might be somebody high on their, their list. But think about the receivers they talked to. One of them was Christian Watson and one's London. Both of them 6'4 plus um, who have, you know, the ability to go get off, get, get the football. Alec Pierce would be another guy that would make sense in that situation. Okay, let's see. Uh, Mr. Corey says Linderbaum is undersized. You know, I think when you're looking at centers, right, that's the Lindstrom they say is undersized. I didn't, I didn't know they were saying Linderbaum's undersized, but Lindstrom is the one they've been saying is the undersized center. 
I don't care about size. I just see good football players. So I say, let's get him. Um, that's that's kind of how I am. Um, Freddie Max says, missed the draft out of my Harley with the boys. Are you going to do another one? Um, we're not going to do another fan-controlled mock draft. I'm glad you had a lot of fun with on the Harleys. That's pretty awesome. Well done. Well done, Freddie, Fre uh, Freddie Max. Right. No, we're not going to do another fan-controlled mock draft. What we're doing tonight is War Room. Um, and we're going to do War Room tonight. Me and Alex are going to be the GM. So we're doing that. That's our final mock draft. You can see the ad rolling right now. Uh, it is tonight at 6 p.m. So you'll be able to be involved in that if you would like. Um, Freddie Max says, don't love or don't like London, love Alec Pierce. Okay, there you go. I mean, two similar players. There you go. Matthew Smith says trade Debo. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think some people do want to trade Debo Samuel. I'm not one of them. I'm going to be consistent on that. If he gets traded, uh, I'm just going to assess what happened um, and 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 move forward because it is business. And that's what it comes down to. Uh, it's, it's unfortunate because it seems like every time you get attached to a player, they can potentially move. Uh, but that's what football is about. I mean, there's a lot more movement. It's not like it was in the 80s where we were able to get attached to football players and they were on your team all the time. There wasn't as much movement. Um, so you got used to the homegrown talents, the Ronnie Lots, the Joe Montanas, the Roger Craigs, the guys that were there every single year, uh, and you just got comfortable with them. You could go to Rockland. You know, you could go to Redwood City and see these guys in training camp and know um, that they were going to be on your roster for years. Uh, I think it's just a, it's different in the NFL now movement the way the players are paid uh the big time money that the nfl has become it, it's just it's a different game and it's, it's hard to get attached to these players the same way um i usually wait until they get their big contract extension if i'm gonna buy a jersey uh fred warner done uh, uh kyle Ushek done george kittle done i waited until they got their contract extensions now the one guy i failed on and this is open is i have the the jalen hurd jersey i told everyone if you made the team i'll get the jalen hurd jersey i'm a man of my word so i did get the jalen hurd jersey now it's a traveling 14 jersey ray worshing most of the time uh but it could it could be something else um let's see <laughs> elijah moore in shanny's offense good fit i do like elijah moore i liked him coming out last year he would make a lot of sense in san francisco um so elijah moore is definitely a a possibility if he was in that trade um Renee says, pay Debo. We need him. Agreed, Renee. Agreed 100%. Pay Debo Samuel. If he's a wide back, you're paying him $25 million. If he's not, you're paying him $19 to $20 million, and you're bringing him back into the fold. You don't want to lose a premier talent like that. Um, let's see. He's part of our culture. Debo and Trent walking out of the locker room with Kodak Black bumping the speaker is a classic. It, it would change everything, right? The boom box would be gone. Wouldn't it? I mean, would it feel the same without Debo Samuel and Trent Williams leading the charge out of the locker room, that swag, that energy that they bring into Levi Stadium or to opposing um, stadiums? Uh, it would definitely change. I don't think the 49ers players, front office coaches want that to happen. They want Debo Samuel on this roster, uh, so they, they, they need to get it done. Warren Brown, Elijah Moore, and the 10th pick. I'll take it. Wow. What is up, Warren, by the way? But Ends pick and Elijah Moore. Is, did everyone see Elijah Moore and think that kind of talent? Like, I liked Elijah Moore. Like, I really did. He's a second-round talent. But, whoo, what are we getting at 10? That's my question. What are we getting at 10? Are we going to be able to replace Debo Samuel's production with Elijah Moore and pick 10? I don't know. I don't know, but I, I like the comment. I like the idea. Just because it's different doesn't mean I can't it's a you know it's it's an interesting idea i do um everyone has you know their opinion on it. i love it uh freddie mac Dre, boom box may be gone 
Oh, the gold chains aren't going anywhere. There you go. Yeah, no, we, we got to have the gold chains. And hopefully we have the, the big symbol that Debo Samuel put on. I, I believe Jason Brett was the one that got that. I kind of like that. You know, you have like the turnover chain and all that. Uh, Freddie Mac, Dre, nothing is going to replace Debo. Yeah, for sure. So you got to get the most you can possibly get. Like I said, rookie pay scale. I'm I'm not letting I'm not letting Debo go. I'm not not on a rookie pay scale. I'm keeping him for this year. Um, it would take an absolute king's ransom to get him. So that that's what I'm doing. Um, and you know we're we're it's we're one of those things where the, the clarity is going to come Thursday if Debo Samuel doesn't move. You know that Debo Samuel is going to be a San Francisco 49er. They're going to work out a contract extension, or he's going to play on his rookie pay scale. If on Friday, Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't move, more than likely we're going to have to wait until training camp for Jimmy Garoppolo to get moved. Uh, that is something that's going to happen because players get moved. And then on the potential for the 49ers to trade for another player even, right? This is what they do. They've traded players for draft picks, but also traded four players. That's how we got Trey Williams. So, um there you go. Uh, Mr. Corey says, I've lived through Haley, Montana, Locke, Craig, Ricky Water, Julian Peterson, DeForest Buckner, and DJ Jones. Not to trading. Debo Samuel, unless the Jets give us four and ten. There you go. Yeah, you don't want to. Uh, Jan Stewart, it would take a, king, a a God's ransom to trade Debo. I mean, not even a King's ransom, but a God's ransom. Uh, and then I heard some guys moving down teams draft boards due to bad interviews. Would players like that worry you, or would you take a chance on top-level talent anyways? I think what it comes down to is, yeah, players would move down your boards with bad interviews. I think you're worried about people that don't love football because it is an absolute grind to play NFL football. Um, so I, I think you would uh, worry about that, and I think you would slide. But there is a point where that is kind of overshadowed by their physical abilities and what they could add to your football team, and if you feel like you could mold them. Um, so that is that is the where you're going to work towards getting to. Um, so potentially you just wait, and then you set a, a number like, okay, he has a bad interview. He's struggling in these areas but in the third round there's too much value there i have to take this guy so all it does is just change your value on the player maybe move him down the board a little bit um but potentially you're not going to ignore him and and jag coming through with a two dollar super chat i love debo but we have to get 10 35 and 38 thoughts 10 35 and 38 is a nice projection right debo samuel was a second round pick and now you're walking away you know with with a lot of draft capital what are you getting in those picks you know, and how are they going to be able to help your team this year? Because Debo Samuel would be able to help your team this year. And I know he's asked for a trade, but Debo Samuel doesn't have any leverage. None. He's trying to create leverage with the trade. So they don't honestly have to do anything with Debo Samuel. They can sit back and let this thing play out. And I think that they want to get something done. But waiting and waiting is actually a good contract ploy from the 49ers. Because once the draft goes away, Debo Samuel lose some of the leverage that he thinks he's created through public uh, pressure. So waiting through the draft for the 49ers is a good move. And so if, if they don't move him on day one, he's not getting moved. So you're right, Jag. 10, 35, and 38 would have to happen day one before pick 10. They would have to make that deal. And I don't know if they're going to. I don't know if that's the King's Ransom that John Lynch is referring to. Um, yeah, Freddie, Freddie Mac says, uh, Freddie Mac Dre says, bad interview says a lot. Um, last question right here from Grish. Uh, how can they pay Debo 30 million? They have to pay Bosa plus draft picks plus Jimmy Ward. They won't pay Debo Samuel 30 million. In no world will Debo Samuel be making an annual salary of $30 million. 
That's just, they can't do that. You're right. The one that's going to make 30 plus million dollars is going to be Nick Bosa. So you're talking $25 million for a wide back. Potentially you can make that work. You move his annual salary up and down. You make the guaranteed money work for you and for Debo Samuel. Um, but you're going to have to get creative. This is when Parag has to come through with the contract details. So uh, that's how it is. But I'm up against the time, everyone. Thank you for joining the first ever Cutback Colony. I really appreciate everyone for coming through. You guys did an absolutely great job. I'm looking forward to War Room tonight. Hop over there and check it out. We're going to be going live at 6 p.m. You're not going to want to miss that. Me and Alex are going to make all the picks. So thanks for hopping through. Coming to the Cutback Colony for the very first one. I really had a great time. You guys were awesome in chat. Well done. Looking forward to the next one. See you guys later.